Hi, everybody. Welcome to a Study in Games podcast. I'm Robbie. I'm Brad. I am Joe. I'm Olivia. And I'm Danner. And this season, uh, we decided to pick games from the itch.io bundle for racial justice and equality. All proceeds from the bundle will be donated equally between the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and their Community Bail Fund. We support Black Lives Matter, and we thought that this would be one way for us to show our support. So this month from the bundle, we picked American Election by Greg Buchanan. It's sort of a, uh, it's a choose your own adventure um, uh, visual novel about a fictionalized version of the 2016 election. Um, it was October, spooky season, and also we're days away from the end of the 2020 election. So it's got, a, it's sort of, you know, right on theme. So what did you, what did you all think? Let's give our initial thoughts. Um, I found the atmosphere to be uh, really effective, I think. Um, and I think that they did a very good job of playing with, I guess, expectations for the story because it's very clearly, there's sort of a Trump character and there's a uh, Hillary character and it plays with a lot of the themes of the 2016 election without being specifically about the election. So I, I thought it was effective with what it was trying to do. Uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, I totally agree. I really enjoyed it a lot. And it was an interesting choice for, as like a, like a, like a horror game too, uh, because I, I don't know about y'all, but I definitely expected it to be a lot scarier than it was. Like it was definitely very, very unsettling story. Um, and the atmosphere really added to that, but, uh, but yeah, it definitely ended up, it was sort of the realism like in the non, non shock, I, I, and I guess we should clarify as always that there's we can't really talk about the story without spoiling it probably. So there's going to be and it's not super long. So if you're listening and you haven't played it, you should totally check it out. But, um, but yeah, it was really the the groundedness that made it most unsettling, and that's a very interesting thing and very poignant story. For sure. Um, I want to start by saying a minute ago, Robbie, when you said, um, and we're just days away from, uh, and you said, then said the election, I thought you were going to say the end of times. I literally <laughs> so. thought he was going to say that too. I really. <laughs> when you were like, we're just days away from the end of the world. So we thought this would be inappropriate. Um, but no, I actually, I found this super engaging. Um, I think there are some design things obviously to talk about um, that, that um, it's kind of cool that we have a kind of piece of interactive fiction. Um, not the, not the kind of, it's not like a browser, um, you know, like, uh, well, we can talk about the different types of interactive fiction as well when we're kind of talking about the design, but, um, but yeah, no, I think there's a lot to really like about it. Um, and, and I think there's some, uh, some real power to the impacts that your choices have later in the story. Um, and I, I, it'll be interesting to see what choices people made from our little group here. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to, to chat about, uh, about this, but also more broadly about interactive fiction and, and kind of what it, how it functions in the gaming uh, landscape. I'm also curious to see how many people 
did more than one playthrough and took different paths. I didn't, but I'm, I'm curious if either if any of you guys uh, played multiple sessions of it and tried to get to different endings and different directions on the tree. Um, what was your what was your result if you if you did that? Um, I, because I'm wondering how much how much variety there is uh, to how many maybe how many endings or how many uh, 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 branches there are like that. Yeah, I, uh, I I didn't play multiple times, um, but but my my gut tells me that it, it's mostly like flavorful changes. Uh, but, yeah, that's but what I, I was kind of thinking too. Yeah, I th I think they did a really good job with the uh, the small touches as you you play through the game. Uh, I mean, obviously the subject matter is a lot to unpack. Uh, unpack, but I, I think they did a really really good job with the way they they utilize, utilize text and sound, like with little animations and uh, the soundtrack and everything like that. I think really brought the the tone together pretty well. Yeah, yeah, me too. Oh, I, yeah. Um, even even just subtle things, like you know, the when you get to a specific paragraph, suddenly the soundtrack changes slightly, or maybe it just starts going a little bit faster. Um, you know, it's it's things that you you notice that it happens in sort of more more traditional games, and it was nice to also see it in an interaction. It's, this, this isn't the only one that does it. I don't I think like I noticed. It. I don't think I was conscious of that. Um, but yeah, now that you mention it, I. Uh, that makes sense. I, I that was more of a, I, and I think that this speaks really well of the game itself. That um, the fact that I didn't notice it, that it was enough of an under, uh, uh, enough of a thematic part of of the story itself. Because a lot of times when I I do know a lot of times I do notice those things, and and when I do notice them, it pulls me out of the situation. Um, but I think the fact that I didn't notice means that I was immersed more. So that's, uh, that's cool and, and very smartly done. Uh, so I want to go uh, back and, and check and, and see where, uh, play some more and play again to uh, see if I do, you know, where those spots are. I, uh, no, go ahead. So I, I think part of why it's, why it's so effective here is because the, the rate at which you get more information is controlled because the text sort of slowly scrolls like it slowly reveals letter by letter at a like at a specific speed and yeah. so you can and, you can skip it though you yeah you can double faster. tap yeah but if if you're not doing that then like the the game is sort of at it the state that it's in until you get more words to read so the game knows very specifically where you are in your understanding of the world it's building. So when it introduces those new sound cues, you it knows where you're at. And so it, they they can skillfully introduce those new cues at a moment where you're not you're not paying attention to the mechanics of the game. You're paying attention to the story. I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe I'm yeah, struggling. And I did feel like with the soundtrack, the the changes were very subtle is why it sort of it, it very much felt like. And, and honestly, I feel like the, the soundtrack is, is one thing that's really worth talking about with this game, because it's something that like a lot of like VNs and, and some text based games have like looping soundtracks that set the tone. Uh, but this one did feel uniquely impactful. Um, 
and and I feel like it might be because of the sort of subtle changes because there was some um, times where I was like, did the music just change? So and then yeah, the, it, the, sorry, I was just gonna say there's actually a um, technical reason for that. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to cut you off. So do you have something? No, you're you fine. That was basically all I was gonna say. Was that um, yeah? So I, so they're actually using a piece of software called Elias, um, which is a procedural um, music generator. Um, oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I noticed it in the credits and I, I had explored it. It came out, I'm going to ballpark three or four years ago um, as a kind of answer to the problem of looping soundtracks. Um, and so basically you can in the, it has a big editor, the sort of Elias editor. And basically what you can do is set up kind of ranges of possibility for your music and then uh, when certain events take place, and, and this is utilizing or using just the basics of it, really, um, in a game that has a lot of triggers, like, so if you're in, like, a full 3D environment where you've got, like, you know, you can cue things through code, you can tell it to do all kinds of stuff um, based on what's happening in the logic of your game. Um, but yeah, so you can tell it to hit crescendos at certain points based on the logic of what's happening. You can tell it to modify small elements so that the soundtrack doesn't feel like a repetition, but it feels like variation. That's so freaking cool. Yeah, so it's <laughs> the same stuff we do with procedurally yeah. generating, you know, art or or levels or, you know, what Tanner has been working on for TTR with the uh, with the construction stuff. But this is just to do that with music to have a, a sort of range of variables and a range of acceptable behavior. And then you just set it free and it will, it'll kind of give you lots of variations on what you want. Um, so that's, uh, that's sort of a plug for Elias, which I actually think looks super cool. And there's some, I think there's a free version, not that I'm, I'm pitching for them, but um, I think there is a free version that you can use um, for small projects and stuff. Yeah, that would totally be, uh, Worth yeah, it to get awesome. that kind of uh, 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 sort of reflexive uh, tool in there. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. that's, cool that's really good to know. And I mean, it does make sense. I mean, it, it, I think it was really effective. Like, again, because I, I, I had a hard time telling, like, because sometimes it felt like it was a very authored shift in tone. Mm -hmm. when certain things happened, But then other times it, it just felt like a slow escalation and and. And, and yeah, and it was hard to tell how much of it was built into just like, you know, sort of projecting, you know, like I, I wasn't sure if the, if the music was just slowly escalating and it just happened to be when I reached this point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that's really cool. Well, and it's funny, right? If you think about game design in general, for years and years and years and years, we've been creating games, video games, certainly where we're like, okay each time that someone plays this, we want the experience to be a little bit different and we want there to be a range of things that the, you know, the AI does and a range of things that the levels, like you can jump here or jump there. But for so long, music was like a static element, right? It was like, okay, just write some music, drop it in and that's done. But it makes so much more sense to have music also be adaptive, right? To the, what's happening for the player. Um, and that's, you know, so, so it's a kind of wild that it took, as long as it did for someone to be like, hey, why don't we write something that would let musicians and composers do that? But yeah, it's cool for sure. Very cool. Yeah. So I mean, so the, and it's also worth noting that, you know, the music in this game is just very decidedly, like, it's very sinister the entire time. Mm. Um, and, 
And I also am interested, and I guess we could talk a little bit about sort of maybe if we did have different paths in the game, because I'm unsure about you guys, but nothing really like supernatural happened. Nothing really, uh, you know, it, it was all sort of very contained in the real world, which is actually not what I was really expecting mm-hmm. to happen. Um, and I'm curious if, like, so sort of the, the sort of, sort of purpose of the the audio and the, the the visuals too so it's just black screen white text and some pretty you know surreal like illustrations that are really interesting and do a really good job of sort of conveying the setting and so forth um but yeah i was curious if y'all had any thoughts about that like or if something different happened or <laughs> I, I think it's it's a horror movie or it's a horror game the way that like a you know, the way that like a, a thriller or like a, a slasher film would be technically a horror film. Like it's still grounded in. Yeah. Sure. Real- well, it's sort of grounded in reality. It's the, I guess. Horror, it's the horror of the American political landscape. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and it, and what's really interesting too, is that I was a little bit, I was re revisiting the, uh, the sort of verbiage on the itch page and it, and it mentions um, you are being followed. And so the whole time after I read that line, I was like, oh, so there's going to be a spooky thing. Right. (laughs) And, and I was totally like, um, and because of that, it's sort of, and I don't know why, but it's, it definitely took me off guard when the sort of the key moment happens and sort of, I guess it's sort of a little bit more than halfway through the game. Um, Uh So we should just jump into spoilers probably. Um, Yeah. So can I ask, did everybody sleep with the journalist? Yes. 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 I so, did not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So when when you get to the house later and you're being confronted by, can we just call him Trump? Uh, oh, last, let's, sorry. let's be honest. Like, it, so, this is, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe let's set the stage first. Okay. So this game is about... Um, you play a character named Abigail. Wait, right? Everybody Abigail has- Thoreau. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you play a character named Abigail Thoreau, uh, who is a campaign advisor, campaign manager. Could be. I think assistant was the one. Yeah, I wasn't really sure exactly what her role was. One of many assistants. So yeah. you're, you're a campaign assistant in the 2016 election for... Uh, uh, Truman Glass. Truman Glass, yes. Who is a a a pretty good analog for uh, Trump, Donald yes. Trump. A very thinly disguised. Yes, like, I mean uh, there there are some there are some differences that I think we'll yeah. we'll get into later. Yeah. But anyway, so the character that you play is also um, a either a lesbian or bi or any num- like. Definitely a member of the LGBTQ. Yes. Community. Um, She's also and, a person of color, right? Because like early on, you can decide like she has yeah. like a parent from either Brazil or Korea a or like a grandparent. Yeah. So she at least has some sort of, you know, some interesting cultural heritage. Yeah. But, but well, one I thought of those that was is, is Poland. Was right. it? Yes. I, I didn't notice Poland. that one. Well, from Warsaw, yeah. 
Uh, and I thought that that was embedded in the police pullover too, wasn't it? Like that yeah, was my read choose. of it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you made certain choices, they were played out, and when the police pull you over, which I is the first thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chapter one. So, so the game, yeah, the game takes place. Um, like the the real timeline is you um, accepting a position to be the campaign advisor for this Trump character. And then there's flashback scenes of you um, uh, getting kicked out of the house by your dad. When, once you come out to him, there's flashbacks to the first time you meet your longtime ex-girlfriend and various scenes like that. Yep. And then the rest is probably potentially very different for the rest of us. So that's what we will be talking about. Yep. And it takes place over, what do you think, two months or less? No, it starts, it's like 10 days to the election or something. I'm trying to remember now. Um, I, yeah, but then it goes on after that for a, a way. Oh, right, because so, it does go into 2017. Yeah. Uh, but the core of the story is like, the, it's sort of roughly the two weeks before the election, I think. Something yes. like that. Yep. Okay, so from there, what races did everybody pick? I picked Brazil. I can, yeah, I, I picked Poland. I can't remember now. <laughs> I think I picked Brazil. <laughs> I I think the Nairobi. <laughs> so actually, Robbie, I don't see race. So oh, okay, right. right. So that, it just it just looked like five of the same choices. It was just five of the same. <laughs> exactly. uh, I cannot remember what the city was, but I remember that she was Asian. So okay, yeah. So we all picked sort of different options, which is interesting. But so did did the cops give you a hard time? Yes. I was given a hard time by the police, so I must have picked. Sure. Uh, I no, couldn't have yeah. picked Polish. That's <laughs> I an picked Polish for mine. I picked Polish and got like, uh, basically it was all just a mistake, and they let me go pretty quickly. Oh really? Uh, oh see, wow! I yeah. was I was I was curious whether that mattered. Me too. Or not. Right. Me too. So I was sure that first... it did. Um, or, or I, I assumed that it would matter more depending on what what sort of yeah. racial background I, I you have. I chose Nairobi, and I was held at gunpoint and screamed at, uh, and almost shot when my arms were too weak to to hold them up anymore. So, well, uh, I was dramatic. Sh- I was shouted at. I was shouted at too. But then, uh, but then they they just they realized that it wasn't. Uh, Huh? Maybe it oh, was no, the they, same. They actually, so, they actually arrested. They they arrest me. Yeah. So it sounds like it, it could have been about the okay. same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I thought you guys had a much harsher than than mine. <laughs> so from, but I mean, she let the, they let her go pretty. Well, yeah. They all get easily. let. I think we all get let go. Okay. Because okay. not <laughs> none of us actually did anything wrong. My character is right. still in prison. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the whole game. Yeah, they, they, sh- they shot you in the first. The whole scene game takes, takes really place in game. my character's mind. <laughs> yep. So in solitary my, confinement. <laughs> when my Sorry. arms started to get tired, they he definitely like ran up and was yelling at me and and handcuffed me and all that stuff. Did that happen from Poland as well? I don't think my arms got tired, but he yelled. I'm trying to remember. Did he handcuff you? Yeah, handcuffed me and arrested me. Okay. Um, but yeah, he was he was pretty much being a jerk the whole way around and wouldn't tell me why I was being pulled over or anything and, like that. Which and I was guess lame. 
I guess it makes sense that it would all be similar. I'm interested in what the choice really was, other than just like a way to sort of yeah like, impose some of your like personal like self into the character or right. what really role it played because because it sounds like probably about the same thing happened because then glass is all pissy because you were late or whatever i yeah i can't quite remember um but yeah so and and so so that's sort of the so so that actually really encapsulates sort of what my instinct is about this game and that is that just about whatever you do it it seems like it probably goes to the same place yeah but, but it wait, makes it glass, feel different. Is is glass is, wasn't pissy with me? I don't quite remember. I I don't remember. <laughs> I, I don't think it was like outrageous. It was just like there was a line about you being late or something. Aimed to visit but, me in prison. So glass fired Gary, the driver. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because he was harassing. Or no, actually, as a choice, I play. picked. Yeah, that's what I picked. I was like, because he loved the power of that yeah, he had over the prison. That's okay. what but I see, felt, but, too. But, but this is sort of what I'm getting at, right? So it feels like a lot of the things happen, but based on the way you specifically react to them, it changes what it, like the sort of way it's, uh, how how you can interpret the events, right? Right. But let's, and there are definitely acknowledgments of things that you do and say that very definitely explicitly oh, yeah. happen. So... Yeah, because I want to know how, if Tanner is the only one of us who didn't sleep with the journalist, I want to know how things played out in the cabin. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he uh, Glass essentially doesn't, like, even hear you, really. He's just like, oh, you know, you screwed me over talking to them, you traitor. And it's like, but I, I literally didn't do anything. I didn't tell them anything. Yeah. I didn't sleep with them. I, they were just like, how are you? And I'm like, honestly, not great. My dad died. Yeah. Uh, and like they knew I worked for the campaign and I knew they were a reporter. Um, but I, I uh, by any measure, didn't do anything that could be construed as negative for the campaign. Interesting. Uh, well, that's but a, I was little, still, a little disappointing. Yeah. But it just goes to show that the point is that he was looking for a scapegoat. No, no. Right? I guess but, what, what I'm, I'm both disappointed and, and kind of excited to explore why it succeeds because I definitely felt like my choices mattered. And so the thing that's interesting yep. from a design standpoint is that I got to the end of this and I thought, oh, it would be cool to find out what other choices people made and what the effects of those were. It sounds like regardless of your choices, there were choke po numerous choke points that pulled you through to the end. Yep. But but I agree that the, the way that the narrative is designed and the kind of use of language makes it feel important. And so that's, that's to me, pretty successful design. So, um. And he does often reference things that you said. Mm -hmm. one, yeah, one of, often, especially towards the end. Yeah. One of my favorite um, moments was there's a, there's a choice of dialogue that you have when your, your dad is mad at you after you've come out to him right and you have this the same choices that you had to say to him you have to say to glass yeah when he i did not have all the same choices oh you oh, didn't i only had no. two two so, in both cases yeah see, me too. so so for the dad i had two options for the first thing and two options for the second thing i don't quite remember what it was it was like 
I hope you have a good life or I hope you, hope rot. you rot in hell. Yeah. And then the other yeah. option was something else, right? It was, it was, I hope um, I'll be, I'll see you again or I'll never see you again, basically. Yeah. So right, yeah. for glass, I had the same two the first time. So, but I said something different. So for, for my dad, I said, I hope you have a good life. And for glass, I said, I hope you rot in hell. And then the only other option was, I'll never be seeing you again, uh, uh, which is the same thing that I had said to my dad. Interesting. So, uh, okay. okay. Yeah. So that, I mean, I don't know how much to read into that, but so there's, there's at least some limited differences. Probably it's probably limited by what feels, what might feel interesting and narratively powerful based on those combination of things with both of those characters. But yeah. Um, I was actually amazed by how much pressure I felt in those scenes at the cabin and at the press conference at the end. Um, I was surprised by how hard it was for me to mm -hmm. go against my instincts as a, as a, the kind of person I am, which is that I don't like to make people unhappy with me and I don't like to cause any, like cause a scene essentially. Um, and so I, I deliberate, but I was so like angry with the situation I was in um, at the end of the story that I was like, you know, I, I was ready to just fight. And so uh, to me, that was a really interesting moment, um, especially yeah. kind of personally, because I was like, I can't believe both how angry I am and how willing I am to just tell this guy to, you know, <laughs> bleep off. That yeah. that's that's how I felt too. Because I started my intention when I sat down to play it was to role play as someone who earnestly wants to be a conservative campaign manager. Because I yeah, that's how it's I'm hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's really it was it's very hard. hard. But yeah, I well, definitely played them to right. That. But it felt like at at some point, um, basically when that whole ha when that whole thing happens when you're there in your hometown for no reason. And just to explain for people listening, um, what happens is essentially that he basically frames you as somebody who was leaking stuff to the press and fires you like right at the last pivotal moment before the election, like despite, despite the fact that you had been like, even, even if you sleep with a journalist, like, I don't know that there really are any options you can do to actually betray him. Yeah, but he totally gaslights you into thinking that you are, you know, somebody who deserves this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At least in my to. playthrough, it was specifically framed as, uh, he, like he was firing you, but the the cover story in front of the press is just that you're too distraught and weak after the death yep. of your father yep. to sort of continue. So there's definitely that layer of sexism in there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not professional yeah. enough to handle it. And it's especially an interesting, I mean, it's a, it's not exactly a plot twist I didn't see coming, <laughs> but it is one that I didn't see coming when it happened and how it happened. Um, yeah. And uh, it's so interesting that they framed his character as, because one of the first interactions that, that the protagonist has with him is him sort of having her back in like a weirdly feminist yeah. way. Um, and so it sort of is disarming for that reason because of, you know, just general knowledge about who the character is meant to represent and that sort of thing. And then sort of inverting that into, again, it still was just, you know, it, you're still just a tool, you know? Yep. Um, 
But that moment, though, I I I liked because it somehow it felt like the game was giving me permission to now not necessarily role play as uh, this person who is on his side, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it became so easier to sort of role play as what I would want to be. Definitely. And I do think that that divergent moment is very interesting. Um, and it's and, and, and so they do give you opportunities up until that point to play as somebody who doesn't really believe in any of this crap. It's just a job, right? So you can essentially be somebody who thinks it's just a job, or you can be somebody who really believes in sort of the conservative platform, right? But, but, but I feel like point, the same things would have would have continued to happen. Oh yeah, I think so too. Cuz cuz I definitely played it as somebody who is who's buying into it. And then at that divergent moment, like you again, you get the option to either uh and it's not this strict, you know, you can it, it's just, you know, different decision points you can play it a little bit differently. But you can essentially either be like, okay, fuck all this or you can be uh you cuz cuz I sort of played it as well, this is still all I have left, you know, because yeah. like her dad died, her, you know, ex is out of her life. And so I played it as her sort of desperately trying to do whatever she could to make this work anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But then it's, you know, obviously it still, it doesn't. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the, but those different interpretations probably, you know, lead to very different feelings of the things the character is saying or doing well i think it also one of the things that it did for me um just as a person is it it helped me even understand even better how difficult a situation um some of the people who work under trump are in um and it doesn't necessarily excuse you know i mean obviously they could all just be like I'm not going to be part of this. And some of them end up doing that. But it, I, I really felt how much pressure there is to, to just want to be approved of and liked. And like when, and that kind of dysfunction of somebody who's constantly like belittling and being cruel to everyone around him. And so like when, like to be the one person that he actually like likes um, or is like, oh, this, you're all right. Like, I was amazed by how powerful that feeling came mm-hmm. across to me in this game. And that may be also to do with, you know, who I am as a person. But um, but that's also in spite of all the stuff that we're already projecting about what we know about this character. Yeah. Right. Yep, like, yep. I, I totally agree that it's written in a way that makes that really powerful. And it makes you really, really like sympathetic for this protagonist, regardless of, you know, how they why they're here or you know because they in the end like the sort of the the extremes that end up sort of happening to them yeah after this this sort of pivotal moment of betrayal yeah or when it gets really you know it's 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 horrifying Mm -hmm. yep it's also it's interesting to me um you know the game just as a story and the the things that are written sort of has a message to convey, but also just sort of this idea that there, there are so many different branching possibilities. There's so many different ways that you could react and that you can, there are different ways that you can treat this person, um, the Trump analog class. 
Um, but in the end, he's always going to treat you the same way. He's always going to, and then that, the, the idea that like the, the medium itself or like the, the way that the game is structured itself sort of says something beyond and, just what occurs. And the theme of the game, I mean, that comes up as narratively thematic throughout several pieces of it about, um, uh, can can the country be changed? And even the Henry David Thoreau pieces about living deliberately and deciding to yep. be a certain way, and and then that goes back to uh, Henry, you know, Walden and Thoreau being such a big part of early American uh, early American writing that kind of created the American identity of of that self determination and uh, just all of that uh but it, it was really nice how the story narrative of this brought all of that all of those little pieces together um and and on, on a side note to that i've i was really surprised and and pleasantly surprised that the story was treated um it didn't beat you over the head with all of the pieces of it even the stuff where it was making this very thinly veiled obvious analog of trump um it didn't it i felt like it didn't need to beat you over the head with all of these little elements it just took you through this these little narrative vignettes kind of 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 what was happening in the main character's life and i I think it did that really well i think the writing was good a lot of the times in these sort of choose your own adventure things um everything seems very leading and very like they're trying to get you through this path of the story one way or the other and uh this one was interesting enough that i didn't feel as much of that or i didn't feel it in that sort of uh superficial kind of way when it did that it felt like it was serving the story more than it was serving the mechanism of moving the story if that makes sense does that yes okay good (laughs) yes it does thanks for Uh, uh, the (laughs) yeah (laughs) go ahead I think the other thing that helped helped me to stay into it was that they didn't write glass. Like they, they didn't write his dialogue the way Trump would deliver the dialogue. There's a few lines here and there mm-hmm. that Trump has said. Yeah, some of it is, but yeah. yeah. I think some of the yeah, I think some of the early like th- they essentially established him as an analog and then they made him his own thing. Like, yeah. I, I, cause I feel like in the first couple scenes, it was, they were copying the mannerisms a little bit and they made all these little nods. Like at one point she calls him orange. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at another and part, tower. she mentions his, uh, his tiny hands at another point. Uh, and then, but then, yeah, but once they establish that, they do make him sort of his own thing. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. and it, I think that goes a long way uh, towards, at least for me, the the feeling of an ease and and how it sort of feels more like a horror game, uh, because so much of it is pulling away that that uh, notion of the the political performance, right? So so Trump goes out and talks like that um, on purpose, like they it's not. <laughs> a speech impediment he's he's doing it for a reason and so the way it's stripped away somewhat uh in those those personal scenes with him um seems to sort of add to that realism layer to me uh and just sort of the the way that it pulls it all back and 
uh, the same reason that like shows like House of Cards are uncomfortable because uh, when you get up to that like sort of inner circle, it it's it's not removed anymore. They're just people, uh, and so the little like mannerisms coming out and things like that make it feel like a very immediate present uh, situation. Um, yeah, that was a big factor for me at least. Well, yeah, I. I thought actually what you were going to say, Tanner, about it, the horror of it was that the it's so easy to be tempted by the sort of explanations, right? So I was thinking about the whole thing about the White House press corps dinner and the, the sort of all the jokes at Trump's expense and he was there and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's so tempting to be like, oh, right, well, that must have really hurt. Um, and that that's true, you know, and, and it, it, I, I think it's, but then the temptation is to be like, so it's okay for someone like that to become president and like ruin, like as a way to pay back the people who were mean to him at that dinner. Like, well, I mean, <laughs> Hitler, Hitler uh, was rejected from art school, right? Right. So. But I, I think what, what struck me about it is, I mean, is twofold, I guess. One is that it's, it's okay for me to be sympathetic to that being humiliated is hurtful at the same time that I think, but probably most reasonable people wouldn't, you know, then turn that into a like worldwide vendetta. Yeah. Um, and so, so sorry, go ahead. No, that's, mean that, that's really the main, you know, and, and just that, that it's okay to sort of see, see underneath and have some sympathy for the underneath while also, you know, rejecting wholeheartedly, the result um yeah and i that that is a lot of what i was trying to say i think you you said it a bit better uh but (laughs) but but those elements of like yeah so so that is a relatable thing but it's also kind of terrifying Mm -hmm. that at least in this setting that is the the impetus for him deciding to become president yeah this this humiliating moment that that should be a thing that you know maybe keeps you up at night but doesn't drive you that far right uh, certainly certainly doesn't seem like it should succeed uh <laughs> and similarly i don't i don't know how this played out in the different playthroughs um but at one point before he's about to go on stage he like asks you um how he looks and i said you look like a million dollars sir uh and <laughs> yeah. and it's framed as ostensibly the reason that he fires you because you know god forbid he looks like less than a billion dollars <laughs> right like you're calling him a loser um and that kind of like pettiness yeah uh yeah it's it's to me terrifying that the character uh is holding on to these like small things mm-hmm. that have such an enormous impact yep and at the end of the narrative like i don't know about you but it's definitely framed as like it's childish, right? It's nothing more than like narcissistic childishness. Yeah. Um, and which is an interesting sort of, I guess, good ending. Oh, uh, one one divergent point, at least what felt like a divergent point that I wanted to ask y'all about is there's a moment when you seemingly get to decide the actual result of the election. Uh, it asks you 55.5% voted for, and then you can say whom oh do you remember did, did did does anyone else remember that moment yeah and i picked uh the democrat and did so did it did it 
work out that way or was it like a well i assumed it was a thinking. reference to the comparison between the popular vote and the electoral vote uh, so yes so yeah. what so happened when you picked democrat because I, I just didn't make any glass. difference no it didn't make any difference okay okay um, the, so so the line is actually referring to the fact that only 55.5 percent of people actually voted i think of people that could vote actually voted oh i guess i, I misread it, was lower. it i thought the yeah, standard thought it was number was like that. around 38 percent yeah yeah i think i think in the last election yeah it was it's lower than, than 40 i'm almost certain but yeah but can, at any rate it had no impact real quick okay Regardless so it, the turnout the turnout in the 2016 election of voting age population was 55.5 percent according to wikipedia oh really okay yep. where is that 38 because yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking it was like 30 something Clinton, 30 something Trump and uh, let more than that. Nobody, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I definitely misread that as essentially like that felt like a really big divergent point for me. And it, I, I actually sat there and thought about it a lot. I was like, am I going to pick the wishful thinking option <laughs> or am I going to pick what? probably actually happened because they did treat it earlier they did make it seem like it was sort of inevitable right mm. that like no matter what you did he was going to win there's a few lines that sort of signaled that so i was really curious if that actually did anything or hmm. not i well, don't think so the frustrating thing is is uh sort of either way you pick it um it's not that different from from real life and that it didn't really matter. Yeah. So, you know. Right. Even if it was that the popular vote voted for him, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what happened or that the popular vote didn't go his way. He still could have been, could, still could have won. Cause that's what actually exactly. happened. Yeah. So who's ready for Tuesday guys? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, Oh wait. <laughs> Okay, so there was also there was a moment where you're invited to see, I guess, him his acceptance speech, and a, someone comes in wearing a gun. Yeah, that whole that bit. Too. Uh -huh. And I felt as though if I had made different choices, that guy may have done some sort of violent action. Did that happen to anybody? No. No. Okay. Yeah, me neither. And I, I that's I. It's a really interesting sort of way of setting up expectations in an interesting way and and i'm really interested in that segment of the story that segment and the segment about the like the, the radicalized youth watching the youtube videos right um those were both really really interesting narrative moments um they didn't end up culminating in anything and i think that's because the scary thing is really just the fact that 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 there was room for that sort of power tripping that is the sort of inspiration of that sort of power tripping does mm -hmm. that make sense so yeah i feel like it didn't need to actually have any violence happen quote unquote on screen as in like within the bounds of the narrative for right. us to still be terrified by just the possibility of it yeah. right mm -hmm. yeah, yeah and and well, the whole thing with the with the protester who burned the flag was uh yeah, a, a good a good piece of that too. Like, well, and I I I think emotionally too, right? It evokes both ends of the spectrum, right? So, if you're 
and and this is something I think it's a really you know not that our podcast is a political one overtly, but I think for me it was powerful to reflect on you know if I thought that the person was coming to assassinate the Democratic president, I would have been horrified. But if there's still a part of me that's like, you know okay, maybe this will turn out okay, right? Like, so I need to acknowledge that there's, there, I think it plays again on that kind of the, the partisan politics that are amplified in our country and have been continued to amplify over the last 10 years or so as social media has allowed that and become a kind of vehicle for that amplification. And so now there are people who are like, well, yeah, if, if a democratic president were shot, that would be terrible. But if a Republican president were shot, that would be awesome. And the, and the reverse is true. I do feel true. like it was evoking that a little bit for yeah. sure. And, and, and really trying to make you afraid of your own knee-jerk reactions, maybe? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Having said that, now we'll probably get scanned by some Google scanner and end up, like, questioned by the <laughs> FBI. But oh, I should just boy, say that all comes. of my comments in the last five minutes were hypothetical and about this story and have nothing to do with the actual president. So... Well, I, I also feel like there's a little bit of a um, like a, a straw man situation uh, with the the shooter versus the protester or the the potential shooter, mm -hmm. um, in that the the flag burner is ostensibly opposed to Glass's uh, campaign, obviously, mm -hmm. um, and unintentionally causes this uh, panic at the the rally, um, whereas the uh the the potential shooter makes the conscious decision not to do anything um despite having the ability and the preparations to do so uh which i mean this this is reaching a little bit but but getting into like the kinds of people who bring a gun to uh a political like rally or a victory speech um, and how they decide to behave. Uh, and I, I don't think it goes far enough to make, you know, a definite call one way or the other, but it was definitely sort of a parallel that, that stood out to me. I really disagree that the guy was not intending to start a, uh, a panic at the rally. I think that just the, the fact that it ended up backfiring and ended up making making glass look like a hero was the part that was unintended. So it just well, well I think, I think, I think specifically that he didn't, they didn't intend the, the fire to like spread. Um, oh, yeah. there wasn't any indication of that to me, yeah. just, just beyond the, you know, the typical, like you're going to burn this flag at the rally and get kicked out thing. But I, mm -hmm. I think part of that is that, or part of the reason that, that was in the story was to illustrate that Trump, for example, uh, does stuff like that all the time, things that should be a horrible thing uh, for Trump one way or the other end up making him look better, making like all of these things that he's said and all of these things that have happened, so many of those things, it ends up playing to his base better one way or the other, and he looks heroic for being there, uh, being there and being that to his base. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that was whatever would have happened with that person, uh, with that protester, uh, the Trump character, the glass uh, uh, candidate, candidate glass would have ended up a, being a hero in their eyes anyway. Um, so 
I, I think it's a testament both to the kind of the, the solidness of the writing and the weight of the content, right, for us as Americans right now that like we're, it's provoking so many different and interesting responses. Um, I'm also uh, kind of aware, like whenever I have a conversation like this, that it's sort of exactly what that the, like that character would want like people in rooms all over the world talking about it. Um, so I just want to redirect a little bit to some of the design, a couple of design ideas about the game. That's um, a great please. idea. <laughs> Take us away from those you know, temptations. So, um, and there are, I have two sort of questions I want to pose and, and if people have answers, answers, that's great. And if not, we can talk about something else, but, um, one of them is a kind of broad question. Um, actually, I'll save that for the second. The first one is, um, I've been really interested in um, the role of, of narrative and dialogue in games in general. Um, and one of the things that I've paid a lot of attention to is how games have implemented it successfully. Um, and so one question I have is about sort of the length of narrative. Um, and because one of the things I've noticed a lot with interactive stuff is that shorter chunks of text seem to be much more successful in, in interactivity. Um, and so I wondered if people had thoughts about that. And then I'll just pose the second one, but we don't have to answer it right now. Um, I also wondered what, what you all thought about the kind of role of interactive fiction in the game's landscape. Um, Obviously, there's lots of academic discussion about this and the role of story versus game and stuff. But um, I just kind of, we are a games podcast. And so I wondered what people thought about this kind of artifact uh, as, as being game-ish or not um, and, and how you would sort of construct it. That's, those are my questions. So I think, I think that long, I mean, I, I think short text, I, I, dislike short text but i also very much dislike long text i like like, like i want like a meat there's like a sweet spot like a medium i also don't text. like to read that was, that was like a woody allen line like, I, I just like slightly medium low text and well i, I, no, well, I do what know I what you is, mean though i know what you yeah, mean go ahead though. sometimes it, it can feel when i when i see an interactive fiction or or even just like an article online where where there's a lot of very short sentences instead of paragraphs mm -hmm. i feel like oh you read an article about how millennials have short attention spans and right. so you're just doing this or like when you watch a youtube video and there's a bunch of cuts mm -hmm. it feels like you learned a fact and now you're just taking action based on that fact right right and it doesn't feel like genuine or natural um but also when something's long like that's also like I mean, the stereotypes are true. Like, I, I am a millennial, and I don't want to read a lot of text. <laughs> right. Now, so. this, this question brings to mind, and God help me for saying this, uh, a tweet I saw recently <laughs> that I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot. I think I brought it up to Tanner once or twice, and I, and I feel like it had a really, really good point. And essentially what it said was that good narrative in games, like good textual like narrative in games, is defined by whether or not it feels like a reward for the player or a punishment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and the, so essentially what, what it feels like, it, you know, if from the average player on the average moment of getting to see more text, essentially is yep. more text a reward or is more text a punishment. Yep. Um, and I feel like just based on answering just that question, you can get a really good sort of situated feeling of how, what the quality of the narrative of the game is. Sure. Um, sure. 
and for the most part, I should say, I, I felt very engaged by the narrative in this. Um, but there were some places where it really extended for a long time without an interaction. And I, it just got me thinking, yeah. I, I separated from it. And I was like, okay, there's some paragraphs I'm going to be needing to read now. I, I get that this person wants to narrate this, but um, and that's true, right? In any fiction, right? When you read a well-made fiction versus one that's clumsy, you're like, okay, well, you don't need to. You should you should tell me that part, but you should not tell me this other part. Um, so it's yeah. not exclusive to interactives, but I, it's just more important in some ways in interactives because I think people are expecting to be able to make choices. Um, yeah, and and it's it's such a hard question to answer, right? I mean, other than just saying it depends, because mm -hmm. I feel like in general. Um, short bursts of responses in order, you know, in between like interactive moments are sort of, you know, a general good design philosophy to have. But, but there's definitely some games, especially recently that I've been playing that are so mostly text based games that have these massive blocks of text that I just like, I just want to keep reading more about the characters, right? So right. it it really is, is sort of dependent on, and you probably know I'm talking about Disco, Disco Elysium. Elysium because because <laughs> that game has like a very shocking like for for like modern yeah. game design sensibilities. Oh it's, it's like four hundred thousand so, words. Yeah, yeah, it's so much text, but I absolutely like I. I ravenously like consume every yep. bit of it that I can so find beautiful. because it's so compelling. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and I mean, this game isn't, you know, isn't that like, it's not big blocks like that, but I do feel like the pacing and the, the tone mm -hmm. combined with some of the stuff we talked about before with the, with the, with the music, the audio design and the sort of sense of what's about to happen around the corner. Like when's yeah. this, you know, what is like, is something horrific going to happen? Is, is this going to pay off for her? Um, yeah. I, I feel like it found a pretty good for this game in particular. I feel like it found a pretty good medium, but yeah, I me do too. feel like that's an important thing to think about. Since we're, since you know trying to take think about it in terms of interactive fiction in general, that I think is the key thing. Is like, and and it's a hard thing to gauge, right? But yeah. It's because um, it's just it's just a very abstract thing. Well, and I th I think it's worth just even if we don't answer it tonight, which we won't. But I I think it's worth exploring because I think when when fiction writers talk about pacing and 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 screenwriters talk about pacing. Um, I think there's a good justification to be made that the pacing that happens in video games um, has more to do with when we ask players to interact um, than obviously those other media. And so, so I think it's, it's, that's really the question I'm asking, not whether it's too long or too short, but when are the right moments to ask players to interact and the ones that will be the most rewarding for them? Um, and that's for me the interesting design question. And and I, I agree. This game I think got it right probably ninety percent of the time. And and yeah. so that and, for me was great. And and yeah, and it's and it's also an interesting question when we are considering some of the stuff we've also established, which is that, you know, for the most part, a lot of the you know, a lot of the choices are not very divergent. They're not really impactful. They feel like they're impactful, which is really, really all that matters, right? Yep. Um and so, you know, finding that balance between choosing the moment to give people a choice so that mm -hmm. it feels like they're making a choice, but also not giving them these big blocks of text to take them from A to B, like it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. And, and that's the, uh, that's the analogy of the American election. 
feel making them feel like they have a choice <laughs> but <laughs> oh, not, no, not giving them too much stuff right. i'm so sorry they i can't meta 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 but i so, think that yeah go ahead for your second question uh-huh i think interactive fiction is i mean i i think it's kind of an an important uh genre of game and I also think that it's a very underappreciated genre of game, and that's sort of uh, kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. But I, I, I like it, and I, I think it's, it's useful for conveying specific kinds of ideas. I think the, when, you're playing, when you're playing a more traditional game and the writer has, or the designer has a specific point of view, and maybe sometimes they get carried away and with, you know, jamming that point of view down your throat mm -hmm. you still have you still have a, a fun game to interact with right but the, the then but it becomes a big pitfall in interactive fiction because when when you have a moment where the, the narrator just sort of goes off on a tangent <laughs> you're not you're not playing a game at that point you're just sort of like twiddling your thumbs and waiting for them to be done yeah a a, a novel that they were they decided to do something else than write the actual novel. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting to think about that question too, right? I mean, I've I've wondered a lot like is this somebody who just wanted to write this story and then they thought, well, you know, maybe maybe I'll put some choices in. I think this one is well constructed and so I that's not my fear here, but I think a yeah, lot I of, also think that that's valid. But yeah. <laughs> but I think a lot of writers no no it's a valid thing to do for sure. But but I, I've I've played my fair share of interactive fictions that were clearly just novelists or short story writers who were like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, this is all the rage. I guess I'll try it. Um and and don't really have a sense of how, you know, how to make the branching and the interaction and the the kind of loops and and the other things that make interactive fiction different from fiction um you know those those are the pieces that i think are are you need you need to practice those in the same way that you practice the fiction writing so um anyway but i you know i i like the genre and i i wish that there would be i mean I, not necessarily more interactive fiction made i think i mean there could be i would want more creative things to be made by more people all the time i guess i just wish that it was a genre that got more attention yeah well sadly um i mean so one of the best sites uh um was the the guys from fallen london made a site called story nexus um which oh, was, I love story next. Yeah, but then they shut it down. Um, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't. You can't add yep. stories to it anymore um, because I don't think they could maintain it. But it uses the same, essentially the same system which uh, which Fall in London does, which is the story lit idea. And um, I think in a hundred years, when people are talking about interactive fiction, the, the the concepts that the Fall in London people came up with, with this notion of a story lit and skills based interactions that that advance loops in in small chunks of content, um, like to me, that's like the pinnacle of of what you're trying to get at with that type of of thing. Um, yeah, it's like the perfect like. <laughs> like the perfect point in between interactive fiction, which to a lot of people just feels like reading a, reading a book, yep. which isn't what they're looking for. It's a perfect point between that and, uh, and just like tabletop role playing. Yeah. Right? And they did it really well, obviously sunless sea and, and, uh, sunless skies, 
um, are the two uh, games that they made after Fallen London. And those do a really great job with it as well. Um, so it, it does make me sad that Story Nexus is gone because, uh, well, it's not gone. You can still access it. But um, but if you go to it now, like I think that the, the, the um, style sheet is broken because you just get like a 1990s style text. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad. Um, anyway. Um, but yeah, so so there's still a lot of space to explore there. And I still think storylets have not been fully explored and could be, you know, I think actually Disco Elysium uses a kind of riff on storylets in a pretty powerful way. So um, anyway, yeah, it's super cool. Yep. So, so yeah, I mean, this narrative was was really compelling and I feel like it was a good use of interactive narrative and it's actually interesting because because when I first um looking at like the page on itch I thought it was a little bit more of I don't know why I thought it was a puzzle game um like looking at the every when I saw the like little vignettes of the um uh, that were really just illustrations mm. uh, to go along with the scenes. I thought that there was going to be like a puzzle element and and maybe it's just because of like some early like flash horror, like <laughs> yeah. point and click puzzle games. I saw that and immediately thought that's what it was. I, I saw the, 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 I got that too, like a mystery puzzle escape roomy almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it needed to be that. And I'm sort of glad yeah. it wasn't that honestly. No, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nope. It was a multimedia experience. Is <laughs> a um, good one. A good one for sure. Um, so I guess should we wind up? Yeah, wind up. probably so, that time. Yeah. So I, you know, I I enjoyed the game. Um, I think it was it's a great example of um, interactive fiction, and I think it's a fun or not a fun way, but it was a good exploration <laughs> of. Um, not, not so much. The, I mean, yes, the 2016 election, but also just sort of, um, just American politics in general, and what sort of politicians, uh, or maybe one particular politician, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so sort of what it's like to be in their orbit, and um, what it's like to be a person with good intentions or neutral intentions, depending on how you choose to play the character, what it's like to be that sort of person in their orbit. Mm. And, and also, but, and that's the story, but also like the, the design itself, um, it was well constructed and um, yeah, it's a good example of what interactive fiction could be. Yeah. Simple, simple and effective. Uh, really well done. I liked it a lot. Yeah, definitely. And I, I do really feel like the, the combination of, of the kind of uh, really nicely drawn watercolors um, and the, the soundtrack mixed with the kind of style of the, the interface um, and, and Tanner alluded to the kind of the kind of shaking text and some other little kind of UI features that I forgot that, about that, but yeah. yeah, that added some impact. Um, so yeah, overall, as an experience, I thought it was a powerful one and, and well constructed and yeah, just a good example of the genre. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I, I don't know about y'all. I played it in one sitting because it's a definitely a very good bite-sized uh, story. Yeah. Um, 
I I found it sort of painfully poignant. Uh, it b- besides um, just the sort of obviously the election overtones and the fact that it's you know sort of scary game. Just a lot of the themes they addressed with you know being from like a rural place and these sort of like pressures of of uh, a sort of growing up in like this conservative environment and sort of feeling compelled to fit into that sort of thing, uh, despite, you know, other aspects of your personality. Um, we didn't really talk about that a lot, but that was, there's there, essentially, there's a lot of other little elements of the story that were, that sort of really pulled at some really, you know, neuroses that I've experienced before and things I've been scared of. Um, so, so yeah, it was a really compelling narrative, a really, well-designed interactive fiction um and i yeah i i want to say i really enjoyed it but i absolutely was mortified the whole time so <laughs> but i guess that means it was good it was effective yeah yeah i think it was really well done in that respect too yeah i can't say that i i enjoy anything uh tangential to this topic uh especially this week but um, I think it was really well made. Uh, I am a sucker for for animated text, so <laughs> the the anxiety riddled <laughs> red dialogue options were very dear to my heart. But but yeah, I, I think it I think it's a pretty smart exploration of a lot of these uh, American centric ideas and fears and anxieties that, regardless of your perspective have become more and more pronounced over the last four years. So I'm glad we played it at this very topical time. <laughs> yep. Yeah, see, me too. See you all Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, my God. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how uh, if anybody wants to watch this episode based uh-huh. on <laughs> right. <laughs> what, depending on how quick we can get that right. cranked out. So what's up next month? So next month, we are continuing our theme of uh, picking games for the Racial Justice uh, Bundle from Itch. Um, And so for our uh, sort of final entry, I chose Crescent Loom. Um, It is a relatively politically uh, agnostic game, I think. Uh, I don't know. Science is political now. So where's the where's the fun in that, Danner? <laughs> right. Uh, so I guess you can be upset if you don't Tis think the season. That multicellular life exists. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So so if you're familiar with the first stage of Spore, um, it's a game kind of inspired by that. The tagline is, "Let's see here. It's like Spore, but with actual science." So. Give that a try and meet up with us next <laughs> I month. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and that is Crescent Loom by Olive. Nice. What if you don't believe in science, Tanner? Can we still can I still play it? Yeah, you know, you can enjoy other fiction games then. So <laughs> this isn't gonna have any evolution in it, is it? <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess technically it's it's an intelligent design game because uh, you're you're building everything. Oh so. my god in heaven. <laughs> we are the clockmaker. <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> nice. All right. Um, well, I'm going to wrap us up here. Um, everybody, thank you so much for listening in with the podcast. And if you played along with the game, as always, um, give us some comments below on our website or join us 
um, on Discord. I always forget to mention Discord. You guys should always throw that in there. Sometimes you do. Um, uh, yeah, join us on on Discord and um, or join us on our Facebook page and leave us some comments about what you thought of American Democracy, either the game or whatever happens on Tuesday. Uh, you take American it however election. you want to go. American uh, I, election. I'm sorry, American election. Um, <laughs> you can let us know about that too. Sure, why Yeah, not? yes, exactly, exactly. Whether that turns out or not, we'll I feel see. like there's a, a Borat <laughs> moment coming up here. Somewhere. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I feel like we're all trapped in exactly. those Borat How you moments. feel about American country. <laughs> so um, also playing underneath us right now is probably our theme music. It's called Plain Loafer by Kevin McLeod. And as always, he's got great stuff if you ever need um, any kind of uh, music for a project like this or for theme music um, he's got some really good stuff just look him up Kevin McLeod um, and I came across something that he did the underground the the, the, uh, the background music for something else the other day a documentary that I was watching and uh, just yeah he's all over the place good good music so check that out if you need it and um, I think I've covered everything um, just one more quick shout out thank you so much to all of the game designers who uh, put their their games into the itch bundle it's it's just been really really great uh, really great to see how many games there are out there and, and such uh, a variety of different games and different content uh, so that was a really cool thing that, that all those developers did also um, go vote Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. Um, by the time we publish this podcast, you 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 should have already voted, we hope. <laughs> if you haven't, we're coming to your house to have a talk with you. Um, so I think that's it for this episode of A Study in Games podcast. We will see you next month with, with our next episode. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.